Super, super fun. You don't want to miss this, March 31st. If you're going to be out of town, cancel your plans and just come back. Okay, March 31st, is, we're going to have an absolute blast. We'll have our regular time of worship here. And then right after, we've got food trucks uh, that are going to be here. We've got a couple of different food trucks that are going to be here. Kids, we have some amazing, an amazing fun surprise for you guys uh, during that time. So we want everybody to be here. Uh, we spent some time working with our food trucks. Allison, uh, who's, they're on vac- uh, vacation for spring break. She did a lot of work to help us. Uh, I want you to, you to know your meal will only be $5 a person. $5 a person, the church is going to take care of a, a, a good portion so everybody can come and, and be able to partake in lunch that day. So all you'll have is 5 bucks per for, for the people in your family per person, and then you'll get to have um, one of the cool uh, meals from the food truck. So that's going to be fun. We just want you to be a part of that. If you want to invite some friends who might not who, uh, have a church home or they don't have a church family or are just looking for uh, possibly a, a church to be a part of, then invite them to come. Don't, if, don't invite your church people. You, the people. you got friends that are in other churches. Hey, bless them. Hey, enjoy your church. But if you got friends that don't have church or don't have a church home, say, hey, come hang out with us because we're going to have a really, really amazing time uh, after service. So we'd love for you to, to be able to do that. And we also want to let you know that uh, our next opportunity for you to hear about our church family and take that next step of like, hey, I want to jump into what God is doing here at New River is on April 7th. We call it just our membership class. You can come to that class, hear about what God is doing here at this church. Uh, We have food for you. So it happened right after service. It'll be lunch. Let us know that you're coming uh, and uh, we'll make sure we have uh, lunch for you. And then we also have ministry for your kiddos during that time. So you can come hear about the mission and vision of our church. And if you're interested in becoming, you don't have to, but if you're interested in jumping into this church body and being a part of our family, you can uh, jump in with us at the end of that time. So that's coming up on April 7th. That, all that information should be there in the worship guide that you got. So if you're fuzzy on any of the info, the worship guide's got all that information for you. Um, all right, I'm going to, uh, well, what I want to do first is I want to introduce to you, before I pray, I want to introduce to you um, an, an important person in our life, both personally, but then also to the life of this church, uh, is Papa Don Finto. Many of you know him if you've been around here. I'll say this, if you've been in Nashville for any amount of time, you uh, without question will have heard the name Don Finto. Pastor Don Finto uh, pastored uh, Belmont Church in Nashville for many, many years and then has, uh, was the founder of Caleb Company, which is a powerful ministry helping connect Jewish people to their Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, so that the the world can see uh, and know Jesus Christ as their Lord, King, and Savior. So he's a massive heart for the Jewish people, massive heart for the world. He is a father uh, to me. He's a father to this city. He's a father to this church, and he's going to be sharing with us uh, from his heart this morning. So would you guys do me a favor and help me welcome Pastor Don Finto, this morning. Yeah, he was standing. Um, since you're standing, actually, you stay standing. I, I want you to extend a hand. We're going to pray over him and... Uh, and even as, I, as we're praying for him to uh, preach an amazing message, no, no, no pressure. Um, no, uh, it's more than that. We're actually just uh, praying a prayer of blessing over him. And all that uh, 
Not all that he means, all that the Lord is in him and that me, what it means to the city. And so let's, would you just pray with me as I pray over? Um, we love being able to say pictures of how you inhabit your people and how you use them for your namesake and glory. How you use them to touch the uttermost parts of the earth. I thank you that that same thing that you have done in Papa Don is one that you have given to us. And I pray that even as he communicates and preaches your truth, I pray that each one of us would receive that same anointing and call to make a difference to the uttermost parts of the earth, starting with our neighbor and wherever else you may take us, wherever you have us. But we thank you for this man. We bless him now. I ask God your word would come alive in him and through him and that he would declare your truth and we'd receive it as sons and daughters, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, with a little bit of jet lag all day yesterday and uh, just got back from northern Iraq, from Erbil and Dehuk in northern Iraq and then Israel and got uh, uh, waylaid in New York because of weather, night before last, and so we had to find different flights back, and we finally had to transfer over to JFK from Newark and get a flight yesterday afternoon, so tried to stay awake till 9 o'clock last night, so we'll see how it goes, and then, and then got up this morning about 6 with all this stuff written down, so I got up and wrote a sheet that you should have in front of you and, uh, and some of the things, but... As I'm worshiping with you, I realize that what I want to talk to you about is what one of the songs said so well, all your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are and faithful forever you will be. That's what I want to talk to you about. As it relates, I just have to go to some of those kinds of things that have been happening to me before I get into just challenging you regarding your own identity. Every one of us should go out of here today. We should always go out. We should go out every day. Knowing who we are in the Lord, continually saying that to ourselves, that gets rid of all that negative self-talk that we all have about ourselves because we all made enough junk stuff in our lives that, that we can think bad about, you know, we didn't measure up, we didn't do this right, we didn't do that right, some more than others, but hey, in the Lord we're righteous, we are godly in His sight, He counts us righteous and all of that. But, uh, and, and... One of the end, there's a passage that everybody in this room knows, but uh, I wonder how much we really walk in it. Uh, I was over at Grace Chapel some years back, a couple of years back, and uh, Steve Berger was using this passage, Romans 8, 28, and he said, the hardest passage in the world to believe, the hardest passage in the Bible. And I thought, well, I don't know. I know that passage. In everything, God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his prayer. God works in everything. And, I thought, and then the more I thought about it, I thought, no, you're right. It is hard to believe. And, uh, and as you know, Steve's son, 18-year-old son, was killed in a car accident the week before he was supposed to go to the university. So he preaches this whole message. And then right at the end of the message, he gets, he gets really radical. And he says, an 18-year-old son killed the week before he's going to the university. Yes, all things. That was powerful. You've all had junk. You've all had junk take place in your lives. But I'm telling you, if you walk in the Lord, He works it all for your good. He does everything. The junk stuff you've done, the good stuff you've done, and you didn't do any good stuff anyway without the Lord. 
but he works it all. I, I often think of how if Joseph had pondered that through all the things that happened to him, when his brothers sold him into slavery, he could have said, guys, don't worry about it. This is all the plan of God. Watch, I'm going to be prime minister in Egypt one day, and I'm going to be able to save all of you guys. This is all part of God's plan. Of course, he couldn't say that because he didn't know it. When Potiphar, I don't think he really believed his wife, but anyway, when he had him put in prison, <laughs> Joseph could have said, God, sir, don't matter about this. I have to be in prison about three years before I become prime minister and I'm going to save you and your household. He couldn't say that because he didn't know it. But you know what? We do know it. We know that he uses everything for our good. So anyway, that's kind of the background. But if you got that sheet in front of you, I just want to go for some stuff first before anything else because I just couldn't come back to you having, having been in Erbil, northern Iraq, which is the northernmost part of the Isaiah 19 highway. Now, if you don't know what the Isaiah 19 highway is, you need to know it this morning because the Isaiah 19 highway is that Assyria... And northern Iraq is the northernmost part of Assyria. Mosul is Nineveh, the capital of the, North, of the Assyrian Empire. So that's where I was up there. I wasn't in Mosul, but I was in the northern. And then Todd and I, when we first started walking here, were an Egyptian, were in Egypt, spent two nights in a Coptic monastery one night, and then spoke to uh, evangelical pastors the next day. So we were in the other end. So there's this Isaiah Highway that's described in Isaiah 19 that... Assyrians, Egyptians, and Israelis are going to be a blessing on the whole world. So while we were up there in northern Iraq, one of the, one of the memories that I have that was just so vivid is I'm sitting in front of these government leaders because the, the pastor that Belmont's been supporting for years that started these classical school of needs in three different places, and they're now top schools in the whole nation, the whole region, and now the government people are coming to them and saying, help us make our schools good. So I'm sitting in front of these government leaders, and I said, our scripture tells me that your area all the way down to Egypt and Israel are going to be a blessing one day in the whole world. And they said, serious? Your scripture says that? So I'm just telling you, this: all the promises are yes and amen in the Lord. All right. But what I start out with in your, in your sheet, and this is a review, but I'll get, you down, I'll get down to talk about some specifics about your own and my own destiny, but I just have to go after this. His promises are true. Let me tell you, I put, I put uh, three things here that I just want you to know. I mean, I've said this to somebody, but I want you to have the scriptures. I want you to go look at them to show you why I believe that before I die, it could easily be that basically all the Jewish people in the whole world come to know the Messiah. I mean, let me tell you why I believe that. Look, in Isaiah 6, verse 8 through 13, you go check it out, but I'll paraphrase it. Isaiah hears a voice from heaven says, who shall I send? And, God, and, and, and Isaiah says, send me. And God says, go tell Israel her eyes are going to be closed and her heart's going to be hardened. And Isaiah screams out and says, how long? And God says, till the land is devastated, the fields are ruined, and the houses deserted. Well, for centuries, the land was devastated, the fields were ruined, and the houses were deserted. But it's not anymore. Therefore, it is time for Jewish people to come to faith. 
Now, I know that sounds ridiculous because I saw those black hat guys at the wall just the other day again. You know, I see these Jewish people that secular Jews and all kinds of Jews, they don't have a clue that they're going to one day know the Lord. But I know they are. I, one time I was driving in the car where the windows rolled up in the streets of Jerusalem looking at all the people, and I said, you don't know it yet, but you're going to come to know the Messiah. <laughs> Why did I say that? Because I believe the Word of God more than I believe them. And, I, and, and, so, and then the second passage that I have here, you can look it up, is Ezekiel 36, chapter, verses 24 through 28, and there God says, when I bring you back from the nations where I have scattered you all over the world, I will take out of you a heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to do my will. That's what he says. All right, they've been taken back out of the nations. For the first time in the history, they're back from not just one nation, but from over 100 nations. Not all of them are back yet, but there are, some of them are back. And he says, now it's time for him to take out of all those people that are in Israel a heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in there and to put his, that's what he says. I believe the word of God more than I believe what I'm seeing with my own eyes. And then, the one that I'm living in right now is Hosea 3, 4, and 5, which says that Israel would not have a king for many years, which they haven't had since 586 B.C., wouldn't have a sacrifice for many years, haven't had one since 70 A.D. Afterward, they will return trembling to the Lord and His blessing in the last days. We're living in the last days. I mean, we're, we're, we don't know how last they are, but we're living in the last days. But the point is, they, Israel, will return to the Lord trembling to His blessing in the last days. The time is coming. That's why I believe I I. I hope and I even believe that I'm still going to be alive when I see this. I believe I'm going to live to see. May I? I don't know. But I, I believe I could easily see. All right. I couple that. I, I think some of you know that. I may have even said this to you. But I couple that with that imagination thing. And I imagine scenes where Jewish people wake up and they've had the gospel preached to them, but they didn't accept it. And they had this dream last night and they start telling each other about their dream. And, and then all of a sudden, the, I, mean, I, I, had, I had this, I don't know why I had this one, but I had this, this, this vision of this 16-year-old kid at the breakfast table one morning who reluctantly says to his Jewish, who says to his mom and dad, I had the strangest dream last night. Uh, Jesus was in it. And um, he said he was the Messiah. And his mom puts her hand over on his, on his arm and says, Son, I had the same dream. And then the dad says, Well, I don't know if I was going to be able to tell you this or not, but at 2 o'clock this morning, my room was filled with light. I mean, we're talking sunlight. And I've read about stuff like this, but I didn't know it could happen. But there was an angel there. And he said, you've been wrong. He is the Messiah. He didn't even tell me who he was talking about it, but I knew who he was talking about. So he says, we're going to have to go to the rabbi. So they go to the rabbi and sit down, and before they could say anything, the rabbi says, you don't have to tell me why you've come. We've been wrong. He is the Messiah. So first thing you know, all this spreads to all the synagogues of the world, and it starts making the evening news and the, all the newspapers of the world, and Christians start 
go into synagogues because they hear that the Jewish people are now believers and they start dancing together and they start repenting together. Anyway, is that the way it's going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be some way. And it's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon that all of them... And then, when that happens, then Romans 11, 12, and 15 that Todd and I have walked in for all these years is going to happen that their fullness is going to bring about greater riches for the whole world. And when the Jewish people start coming to faith, then Zechariah 8, 23 is going to happen where 10 people grab hold of a Jew and say, tell us about him. We heard God's with you. And first thing you know, this whole big revival breaks out. And, and then the Jewish people, Isaiah 42 and 46 and 49, 6, they enter into this time of becoming, of becoming a whole light to the whole world. And then you've got this Jew-Gentile working together and as one. Now, when that's happening, then I've got the passage here on the Isaiah passage that, that when this is happening, this whole Arab-Jewish thing happens, that this whole section here... See, all I'm doing is doing the thing that you all sang about. All his promises are yes and amen. I mean, come on. When you read a promise in Scripture, don't just let it sit there. Stand on it. Believe it. Start gossiping it to each other. And then, when all that happens, then that Matthew 13, 30 that you've heard me talk about, where Jesus, where the master says, let, let both wickedness and righteousness grow together till the harvest, that begins to happen. And so then we head toward the most righteous generation in all of history, and you, because you couple that with Revelation 14, I've got all these scriptures down there, just because I want you to see what's going to happen in the future. And so, so because we are headed toward, it's the promise of God, we are headed toward the most righteous God, the, the grandest revival in world history. Because righteousness is ripening. And you don't, you don't harvest something until it's ripe. And God said in those passages right there that righteousness is ripening. Now, I know wickedness is ripening too, but you don't have to worry about that because you're going to be light. You don't have to worry about the darkness. When you get there, it's light. We just, we just walk in who we are, and we're headed into the most miracle-working, godliest, holiest body of believers in the whole world. In fact, I've got right down some of those passages. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. They will shine like the sun. I've said this to you before. Come on. You're supposed to, notify, if you're happy, notify your face, as Gary Paxton said. Let the righteous, let the, let the radiance of God radiate in you. Believers are not supposed to go around with sour faces. Come on. Get over it. Believers are supposed to have a kind of a, a kind of a countenance that somebody's attracted to. And that's what it says. The righteous will shine like the sun, and, and they will lead many to righteousness during this time, and many will be purified. Do you need to be purified? I still do. And made spotless and refined. That's your heritage. So we we stand on who we are in the Lord. Now. In order to do that, we, we need to get hold of who we are in the Lord. And so one of the things that Todd and I have been, Todd's here, by the way, this morning, sitting right down here. And one of the things that Todd and I have been doing in the last several weeks is we taught a, 
We taught a whole thing on, on uh, destiny, identity and destiny, who we are, grabbing hold of our identity in the Lord. And we require all of our students, so Ben and Emily and all the people around here that are our students have already written their, their uh, identity and destiny statement. By the way, are you quoting it to yourself? Or do you just lie down and lie, leave it lying in the bookshelf somewhere? It's not going to help you if you don't pull it out and quote it to yourself. You need to get in front of a mirror and quote it to yourself. And so one of the reasons why I walk in the degree of strength that I walk in, and I'm going to get better, I hide and watch me if you don't believe that, but I'm, I'm to, to the degree that I'm walking in who I am, it's because I keep telling myself this. I believe the Word of God more than I believe my own emotions or feelings. And therefore, I boldly declare on the basis of his word that I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. I'm righteous in his sight. And therefore, I have a secure future. I don't dwell on the past. But I embrace everything God's doing in this generation and whatever my role is in it. I'm a man of God like David. These are all based on scriptures. You can have it if you want to. It's not just mine. I'm a man after God like David, and therefore I will not depart from this life until God has accomplished his purpose for me in this generation. I live in constant expectation and confidence that the kingdom of God is advancing all over the world and that Jewish people are coming to faith every single day. I fear the Lord, this is Psalm 112, I fear the Lord and I find great delight in his commands. And therefore, my children and my grandchildren, Michael's right back there, my, my children will be mighty in the land. That's your heritage, Michael. You're never going to get out of it, so you might as well give into it. He did. He is now. He didn't always, but he is now. He's leaning into it. But my children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Even wealth and riches are in my house. I'm going to have everything I need. And I'll have no fear of bad news. Because in the end, I will look in triumph on all my foes. And now all this now, and I've added a piece to it. I reject anxiety, worry, and fear. I reject it in the name of Jesus, and I embrace hope and faith for the future. Now, all this is going to happen because I serve Yeshua. I serve Jesus And he not only has all authority in heaven, he has all authority on the earth. So everything that I'm saying to you is going to happen because all the promises are going to happen. Now, at this point in my life, our our roles change. And at this point in my life, I'm a father figure everywhere I go. To my family, to my extended family and others. And I'm I'm a voice of God a prophetic apostolic voice to the people of God, especially those called to leadership, challenging them through who I am, imperfect though I am, through who I am and what I say and write and do, to be radically sold out to Jesus all of their lives and to embrace whatever the call of God is on your life at this particular time of your life through the help and power of the Holy Spirit and challenging you just like I've challenged myself, to, re- to refuse anxiety or any worry or any fear and embrace hope and faith. 
You see, it took me a while. I may even, I don't know if I've said it to this congregation before or not, but it, I, I, I hadn't thought about the fact until recently that, you know, Jesus is always saying, don't fear or don't worry or don't be anxious. I hadn't thought about the fact that that's not a suggestion. He didn't say, it'd be nice if you wouldn't worry. He didn't say it that way. He didn't say, I recommend that you not be anxious. He didn't say it that way. He didn't say, oh, I wish you wouldn't fear. He didn't say it that way. It's a command. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. God never gives us commands that we can't obey. Well, you think, well, I can't, I can't help it whenever. Yes, you can. Well, how will I? Through the help of the Holy Spirit. You just grab hold of him and, 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 and believe his word more than you believe how you feel. That's how we've got to walk anyway. So we can walk out, we can walk away from that. So, now, how do we grab hold of this? Well, the first place we grab hold of our, who our destiny is, that we have to be totally, radically, as much as we know how, surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. You can't have a single compromise, not a tiny one. Because if you have the slightest little compromise, the devil's going to grab that compromise and he's going to not shake the hell out, but shake the hell into you. He's going to take you further than you intended to go. Just recently, we, we heard about a, a man that we know, we know well, who suddenly had an affair and left his family. But you know what? It wasn't a suddenly. That's not, the, that's not the first thing that happened to him. There was some kind of compromise he made down back here earlier, or the devil wouldn't have been able to grab him to the point where he would have done this stupid thing that he knows is stupid. But the reason why he could do it is because somewhere back here he made a little compromise. There was, I, I, some of you know about the situation that there was a man who, a former missionary, came to Belmont one time while I was pastoring, and he told me three things about himself. He told me that he had once believed in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But I also found out that he never taught it because his back home church didn't believe it and he thought he'd lose his support if he taught it in the mission field. But I found out he had had an affair. I found out, he, but the thing he really told me that night was that he had lost his faith. And I said, well, when did you lose your faith? Before or after you had the affair? After. That's, that's why you lost your faith. Because there's a passage in Colossians that says that you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Sometimes we rationalize things because of our behavior. I said, when did you have the affair? Before or after you compromised your convictions on the Holy Spirit? After. I said, well, that's why you had the affair. You see what I'm saying? He, he let the enemy in with some kind of compromise. And by letting in, so let me tell you guys, no compromises, you hear me? None. Zero. Not some little one-hour outage of, on the Internet or something. No. Not some, no, none, zero. Because if you make any compromises, the devil has an inroad into you. He can grab you and pull you further than you intended to go. And one of our gals at Belmont said years ago, sin always takes you further than you intended to go. You pay more than you intend to pay, and you stay longer than you intended to stay. So no compromises. And then, the, as, as in, in, in this whole kind of thing, 
then we've got to start believing what I got out of Romans 8, 29, but it's 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 20. We've got to start believing this, that we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. You need to get in front of a mirror and say to yourself, I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, you may feel stupid doing it the first time, but you do it enough, you'll begin to believe it. Because you believe the Word of God more than you believe your own emotions. Come on. New River, you're becoming, if you're believers and you're radically His, you are being transformed in His likeness. The older you get, the more you're going to look like Him. You're going to forgive like Him. You're going to love like Him. You're going to embrace like Him. And people are going to see Jesus in you more than you, they see who you used to be. You don't have to worry about your reputation. If you just follow the Lord, your reputation will follow you. But there's a, there, so there's, there's this becoming who you are. And then, then the next thing that I have down here is, is I, and I got it from, from Romans 3, 4, and 5, but you've got to absolutely get this settled in your heart that you are righteous because of who he is. And in spite of anything else that you've done, I'll tell you that story again that to me just because it's the, it's the, it's the most amazing story that I know to give an illustration like this. But Richard Glickstein was pastoring a church in New York, and he had a number of homosexuals who came to the Lord and were walking strong. But there was one guy who fell back into homosexuality and, and left the fellowship, and he was in a men's room in a gay bar and heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, but I still love you. It blew him away. It blew him out of the gay bar. It blew him back into the arms of believers, and he started turning, started turning his life back to the Lord. You see what I'm saying? On the basis of Scripture, if we are his, we are righteous in his sight. I love Romans 4, verse 5, that says God justifies the wicked. You can't get any worse than that. Are you wicked? So what? He justifies you. He calls you righteous. And Romans 5, 17 talks about the gift of righteousness. You don't deserve it. You'll never deserve it. But if we, if we don't get these things settled deep inside of us, then we're never going to walk in strength. So that's the kind of thing that's there. And then, I don't know if I'll have a chance to do all this or not, but, but you also are gifted. And the reason why I put these down here, remember it was after jet lag at 6 o'clock this morning that I wrote this thing. But, um, but anyway, in Romans, the 12th chapter, there's this, what are, what are called motivational gifts. There, and I believe that it's God's internal wiring. I believe there are certain, these motivational gifts are something that's just the way you're wired and you're never going to be able to change it. And, and there are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing leadership and mercy. And to illustrate it, and I, this is not a, but something like this was in a Gothard seminar years ago, but Let's just say that there's somebody in a hospital room and seven different people visit that person in the hospital room and the first one has the gift of prophecy and the, and, and the, the gift of prophecy comes and says, you know what, I saw, you've so overworked. I saw you doing this. I'm, I, you know, you brought some of this on yourself because, you know, that's the gift of prophecy. Do you that sort of identify with that? That's, and the next person is serving and, and whoever has a service goes in and just 
grab, fluffs up the pillow and empties the trash and, and kind of turns, you know, just, that's just who you are. That's, that's your initial kind of reaction to it. And the, the, the person with the gift of teaching says, you know what, I went on the internet last night and found out that what the doctor says about you is such and such. You know, they were wanting to find out more about it. Or the person that's encouraged says, you know what, you're, I, I hate for you to be here in this bed, but you are going to be uh, so much better able to serve people who go through stuff just that. So just lean into it. God's going to do good stuff with you. Or the person that's contributing has already checked to see if they have uh, enough you know, insurance or do they need to start helping, start getting the word around for people to help. And the person with leadership says... Uh, uh, Mary, don't worry about a thing. Joanne's going to pick up the children after afternoon, and Susie's it's arranging to bring food into the house. They've got the administrative gifting, see? And then the person with mercy has already volunteered to spend the night with them if they need to. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> there, there was another one. I mean, it, but it, you, you get the point? There was somebody, there was somebody that had a piece of, had some dessert, was coming into a room, and and they, and, and they kind of leaned it like this. The dessert fell on the floor. Well, the person with prophecy said, I saw that happening. I saw you had it leaning that way. The person with serving says, hey, Joanne, get the map. Susie, get the map. Susie, there's a broom right behind that door. Or the person with teaching. Wait a minute. The person with teaching, what's that going to say? Oh, well, next time when you do it, next time do this. Anyway. And the person with encouraging says, I bet you did that on purpose just so you, the rest of us would feel better about ourselves. <laughs> or the person with contributing has already gone down to the corner bakery to get a new dessert. And the person with leadership is the one who's, you know, who says, grab the mop no, and all that kind of stuff. And then the person with mercy just said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that happened. Anyway, you get the point. I mean, but we all, I mean, there's an intern. I'm an encourager. And I, when I found out I was an encourager, I remember, it was Wednesday night, I found out I was an encourager, and I remember walking through Belmont, putting my hands on everybody, just because I felt like just putting my hand on them meant, you, I care about you, you're important, you know, and uh, anyway, you can't change that intern your wife. Find out who you are, and then give in to it. I mean, just serve the Lord in whatever way. There's all kinds of other stuff I've got in here. I've got that. I got it in here simply because I think it's important. It's not scripture, but Gary Chapman's thing about the, uh, knowing what somebody's love language is, you know, physical touch, quality time, all that kind of, you can read all that. But then, now, one other thing about this, and then I'll close it, but just key, a very, very key thing to grabbing hold of your identity and who you are in the Lord, a huge thing. I've known, I can think of two people in my life that refused to be healed of the past. They were miserable, and they stayed miserable, and they intended to stay miserable because they had been sinned against, and they, but you could say whatever you wanted to with them, and they weren't going to get over it. They were going to, because they were going to be the victim the rest of their life. Now, if you choose that, that's your problem, but... Don't do it. I don't care what your past has, who sinned against you, what they did. You can forgive them in the name. Not, you don't forgive with your emotions, but you can forgive with your will. You speak forgiveness in the name of Jesus, and you let it rest. Otherwise, see, this is huge. This is huge. I, I had occasion within the last year to send this scripture to somebody. 
because Matthew 18, 34 talks about the man who would not forgive was turned over to the tormentors. And the next verse says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you who does not forgive your brother from the heart. In other words, if there's a single person in this room right now and something is coming up because you haven't forgiven them, you are turned over to the tormentors. It's not hurting that other person. It's hurting you. That may be some reason why you have some health issue. It may be some reason why you're not sleeping well. We must forgive everybody everything they've ever done in their past. Now, you know, I mean, you, most of you know my story well enough to know that, that there were three biggies in my life. My dad, who left when I was two, I never knew him. The woman he ran off with, my hated worse than I did him. And the man who sexually, the preacher, who sexually molested me. But you know what? They are long since forgiven. Long since did I ever feel like it? No, of course, I never would have felt like it. But I did it in my will. And I remember there was one time we were having a family reunion and something was being brought up about my dad and I felt all that poison being poured into my system again. And I said, hold on, I can't talk about this. I just speak forgiveness in the name of Jesus. If you have to walk out of a room, walk out of a room. But, there, but that's the key thing. And then, I won't go into the rest of these things, but maybe you never thought about the fact that that David, I think David had father wounds. King David. Because when Samuel asked for all the sons, he wasn't even called in. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but in at least one of the versions, Psalm 51 says, in sin, my mother conceived me. I think he probably wasn't even a legitimate child. He was a hanger-on. Dad didn't even bring him in. Another place, David says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will forsake me. But he rose above it. You can rise above everything. We can in Jesus. Or maybe you were on the other hand, Joseph had an overindulgent father. He treated, didn't treat him like everybody else. But Joseph got over that. So whatever your past is, we stand on what God has said about us. And then I'll just go back to the very thing that I was saying the first I, I invite you, along with me, I invite you to become an eternal optimist because I'm, I'm an irrational optimist in a sense, but I intend to stay that way, and I invite you to come with me to believe for the best because God is in you. Not because you deserve it. Believe for the best because God is in you. And when he's in you, he will perfect you. So come along with me. Grab hold of the fullness of God. Grab hold of all his gifts. Become all that he wants you to be. And you're going to be so wonderfully surprised in a few weeks and years at how, you, how much better you feel about yourself than you ever thought. You're going to like yourself so much better than you thought you could ever like yourself because who's inside of you? So, Lord, take us. Reform us. Transform us. Come inside of us. Use us. Help us to believe your word. Help us to stand on your promises.
You've always been faithful. You're faithful now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you, uh, stand with us. We're going to just uh, finish up here in just a moment. But I want you to stand. You can put your things away. Kiddos, you can stand with us. We're just going to take a moment to, to activate what, what Don was, was speaking and declaring over us. And I just, I feel it's, it's important to be able just to say this in this moment. What Papa Don was declaring we can just step right into it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Meaning, I just had this sense that you feel like you have to somehow earn the ability to receive the righteousness of God or just to be made whole. Like you, you've got to somehow fix all the stuff of the past in order to be received by God. When in fact... God is asking us to just come to him and he will do his work of making us like him. We don't have to make ourselves like him, but he wants to do that for us on our behalf. So we're going to just take a moment. We're going to finish this morning by just declaring the goodness of God in worship. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond. And I, I, I sense and feel like we're supposed to take some movement this morning. What I mean by that is this. Um, we're going to have a couple of opportunities for you just to respond to the Lord. We'll have uh, over on the sides over here, we'll have a few of our prayer partners that are just going to come and be available to pray with you. And if you are just feeling like, man, the enemy was trying to drive on you that you're too far gone or too far in the past or removed uh, or, or, or the things that you have walked through or struggled with are too, you're too far gone, I just had a sense that come, let us pray. Let's pray into that with you. Maybe uh, the specific phrase that Papa Don spoke was to not walk any longer in anxiety and fear, but to reject it. That as a part of who you are, we just reject anxiety, fear, worry. And if you're carrying some of that stuff, we're going to have some people on the side available to pray for you. But we're also going to have this. uh, At two stations in the back, we have communion available for you. And there's nothing more powerful than to, 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 to push the pause button and to say, Lord Jesus, I want to come and remember again what you've done for me. I want to receive the bread, your body, and receive the cup, your blood that was shed for me. And so it's going to be available to you. No, I'm not, in fact, we're not, I'm not going to release you to go do it. We're, I'm just going to say, if the Lord's putting this in your heart, I want to encourage you to go partake. How do you partake? You, it's self-serve. You can just go and take the cup and take the bread. If you want to go as a family and pray with each other, do it as a family. If you're feeling a sense like the Lord's calling you in an individual place just to connect with him, then you can do it individually. But it's available to you. And so there's going to be movement happening. Uh, some of you might just need to move to a place of being on your knees before the Lord. Or maybe some of you need to move with your hands raised, receiving from the Father. But I want to say this. Here's the word, movement. Don't stand still. Don't stand still in your heart. Maybe your legs need to agree with what the Lord, the Lord was, is calling through. Don, Don's going to be available to pray over here. We're going to have our prayer partners over here as well. In fact, prayer partners, if you could just make your way to the sides. They're going to be available to you. But we're going to take a time to worship. There's communion. There's prayer partners. There's your heart before the Lord. Let's move before him and ask him.
to reject fear and anxiety and to remind us of our identity in him. Will you pray with me? God, would you do that now in Jesus' name? I'm asking right now that you would begin to come and move all over this place. That you would move our heart to you. That you would move our bodies towards you. That we would respond to you. That we would be awakened. Would you give us grace just to say yes to you and and right where you're at? Say, Lord, what are you asking of me? What are you calling me to? How can I respond to you? How can I partner with you? There's movement that you're asking for in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. We want to respond and say yes. Help us to say yes. Help us to trust your word that was so faithfully declared this morning. Your goodness, your righteousness given. Let us receive it, we ask, as we sing.